0: And I say it's so much more when love is real. It's the touch of her hand on my cheek that I feel. And I know when I lie away. Hello, this is Cynthia Gustafson. And it's good to be back with you again. I'm trying to get it. I'm not going to worry about it. (laughs) I'm using a whole different mechanism this time than last time. And uh, I'm not seeing myself, but that's okay. It's really important what I'm going to be speaking about today, I think. Uh, As we get closer and closer to the national election, we find that it's harder and harder to talk to one another. And this may be exactly the time that we need to talk to one another. And I think, you know, sometimes we don't need to talk to people we don't know very well, but we do need to be able to talk to people we love. Maybe you're married to someone who's voting differently than you. You need to be able to talk to one another and to respect one another. So my question is, why is that? Why, why can't people talk to one another? And the way I would like to explain it, and this is kind of in, in, in poetic terms, is that we're wearing different lenses. You notice I have glasses on. I can take them off and I can put on my dark glasses and then, wow, things look really differently. I can take them both off, have no lenses on, and then it's really fuzzy. It's interesting because the first thing I ever had published in a newspaper or magazine was when I was in college. And I wrote an essay. The Vietnam War was going on when I was in college. And uh, I wrote an essay about the Vietnam War and how I was wearing contact lenses at the time. And how if I had my contacts in, I saw it one way. If I took my contacts out, I saw it a different way. If I took out one contact and had the other one in, well, you get the idea. That looking through different lenses showed me something different. Like my mother saw the war very differently than I did. You know, the government knows better than we do. Let them make the decisions, all of that. Um, That's one lens that you look through. It's um, trusting others to make uh, good decisions. And then another lens that you actually do learn. The more you get educated, the more you learn that you need to look at the information yourself and get as much help with that information and then, and then try and decide. And if there's something wrong, try to do something about it. So those are different lenses, aren't they? I want to start by reading a poem from my book, Please Use This for Children and Not for War and Guns. And... It's actually maybe the, my favorite poem I've ever written. I wrote this for my son, uh, who's a musician. It's called Sound Principles. And the main part of this poem is about sounds and, and the sounds that words make. And And the sound of the word may actually be different than what the word means. and And in the midst of them, we're going to be talking about lenses, so so listen, and we will talk about what lens you're looking through. Sound principles. Agamemnon, notable name for a king, demanding respect, syllables singing into history's ear, like word sounds, Tourgite, and elemental, music for our otherwise ordinary speech, or pejorative, one of the words our teacher assigned in sixth grade to supplement our simple, rural vocabularies, to open up the judging world to us, as if we didn't have enough words for that. Pejorative. Meant to be despised. But they gave it that beautiful melody, a tourjete around its meaning. That was the year they called me Scholar. A stand-up-and-listen word made me proud of my brain word until I heard the twisted inflection meant to notch me down, meant to make me fall down dizzy, a girl who thinks she's better than boys, smarty pants a nasty snappy sound, said with a sneer. And years later, those other words with heavy meanings, put-downs that I wouldn't put down, like liberal, pacifist, even poet, pejorative, all the way into my bones, my breath, my gut, words so elemental, I could only sing them. Well, you can tell I like the sounds of words, pejorative, I love that, that's a French, it's got that je sound in, so it's it's from French, uh, it's, uh, same as tour jeté, je, that's that French sound, it's beautiful, but I'm talking about more than the sounds of words in this poem. I'm talking about people who made fun of me because when I was in elementary school, I wasn't supposed to have a smart brain. They called me scholar. I thought that was good because through my lenses, the lenses I was wearing, which were the lenses of a girl who was told she could be anything she wanted to be in her life, a girl who was told that, learning is good, that school is the best place in the world to be, that was my lens. But the lenses of those who called me scholar were lenses that said, no, girls can't be anything they want to be. They're supposed to be secondary to boys. They're supposed to pretend they're not smart. I know you, probably many of you have run into that too. We all have different lenses, don't we? Okay, so that's that poem and lenses. So my question is, why, why are we so divided? How do we get these lenses that are so incredibly different? It's interesting because there are a lot of lenses that we've had on our eyes since I was um, very small. And one is the feminist lens when I was growing up. Well, actually, I'm going to tell you. When I graduated from college and I had my teacher's degree, my mother-in-law said to me, "Well, you're not going to go out and get a job. Are you a job that a man needs instead of you? you don't need a- ma- you don't need the money. your husband makes money, you don't need a job Oh, and I remember not even answering it, just kind of giving her a strange look. That was an old lens that she had that I hope has dropped from most people's eyes, how about Black Lives Matter? You know, the lens of slavery dropped long, long time ago, didn't it? Well, hopefully it did, but we still have this left, this lenses that say that Black lives don't matter as much as white lives. That is a lens we have to get rid of. We have to. But if we're talking to somebody who thinks that, at least know that that's a lens they're looking through, a lens that says, if black lives matter that much, then mine doesn't matter that much. And what you're really dealing with is somebody who doesn't really have a lot of confidence in themselves, that everything is competition. And if you're going to be on top, you got to put somebody else down One of the reasons that lens has been so difficult to get rid of. How about the lens of children? I started working when I was 10 years old, and I worked my whole life, every weekend and every vacation. I'm not sure that was even legal, but I did it. Before that, child labor was very legal, and we had to get rid of that lens, didn't we? We had to get rid of that. But we haven't gotten rid of that lens so much so that we don't put children in cages at the border of the United States, take them away from their, their parents and put them in cages. I can almost not say it, it hurts me so much, that our country, the people who rule our country have that lens that says that is okay. But we have to know It is a lens that we look through. Okay, let me go to another poem now. This one's Between Telequa and Tulsa book, my poetry book. And this one is just named number three. And I'm going to read it because it's going to tell you a whole lot of lenses. That I have looked through, or someone else has looked through, and I'm actually going to stop the poem as we go along and talk about those lenses. So here we go. By the way, this is about my journey, how we got to Oklahoma. We wound up in Oklahoma, our twister touching down from hot tea north and iced tea south, Perrier east and Sasparilla west. Well, there, therefore, Adjectives that describe north, south, east, west, and I've done it by hot tea, iced tea, Perrier, and sarsaparilla. And what kind of lenses are those? If you look through a Perrier lens, okay, that's a little bit different than out west sarsaparilla, isn't it? So those are four lenses already. Like the bull weevil, just a looking for a home. We buried our feet in Tulsa's settled dust. Stake me a home. Gotta have a home. Others think, and here are more lenses, Bible Belt, Wild West, dust, red dirt, cowboys, but they never say Indians. Trying to be correct, but Indians here insist on Indian, not some hyphenated name that sounds as if it heals broken promises, stealing the unspoken pain of decades of disrespect. I can't talk politics in this red state. The lure of lower taxes blinds eyes to potholes and bad bridges. This state that took 60 years to claim Woody Guthrie as its own because he was too red at a time when red meant something else when Oklahoma Territory actually had swarms of socialists who started universities and shared the vote with women. Our migration to this dust bowl began in the Minnesota sand hills, through cultured eastern cities, through southern swamps and towns, a solitary Hawaiian beach, slopes of western foothills, and a cabin in an Appalachian holler always wondering where we belong. All of those had their own lenses, didn't they? Appalachia, Hawaii, the West, Southern swamps, Eastern towns, just imagine all of them had their own lenses. Always wondering where we belong, hopeful peace children of the 60s who don't use alcohol or drugs and who fell in love as believers in a better world our making children of the earth who compost and recycle the ideas of Gandhi and Jesus. We choose to live in these sand hills so many have called home, a different kind of sand, redder, where not everything's been cultivated, a place where giant white pelicans and black cormorants skim the water's edge finding a home on island sanctuaries of red dirt and solid rock. Now you can tell I have lived in many different cultural spots in the United States, and I've had to understand the lenses, the cultural lenses of each one of those places in order to understand the people, in order to talk to them. Sometimes I've had to put on lenses that I think are the same as theirs in order to understand where they are. Sometimes I have to take off lenses to see a different world than my own. I hope that thinking about this has helped you a little bit understanding how to talk to the people around you. And as a poetry assignment, I would say, think about the lenses you wear Think about the lenses, those people who you don't understand wear, whether it's a brother or a sister or a mother or an aunt or uncle or the neighbor or somebody at work. Think about what the lens is that they're wearing. And because they look through that lens, they cannot see you or they cannot see that thing that you're talking about. And then try to look through that same lens and see how you can talk to that person and start changing that lens a little bit. But I want you to think, what are those lenses? Not only theirs, but yours. And write it. My lens is. I have a dark-colored lens that is. My glass-colored lens is. My neighbor's, I don't know, (laughs) cultural lens is. My cultural lens, my religious lens, my family lens, my regional lens, the lens of the language I speak, because one of the wonderful things about learning another language is that you starting to start to understand a different culture better by speaking their own words and the way they describe things. So now you have an assignment. It's a really difficult one to try and figure that out. And if you have figured it out, if you've written about it, and figured out, try using it with someone that you couldn't talk to before and see if you can have a good conversation. That's what our future is, being able to talk to everybody, not just the ones who think the way we do. So hopefully uh, this came across since I used totally new uh, equipment and we'll see you next week. And I say it's so much more when love is real It's the touch of her hand on my cheek that I feel And I know when I lie awake my every care you take And I say it's so much more